0: Hello everyone, it's Friday the 14th of April and welcome to episode 150
1: of the Kite Podcast with me, Will Evans. And me, Ben Eagles. Now, 150, are we doing anything to celebrate, Becky?
2: We're recording the podcast, that is a celebration. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like every week. Well, today... We do have, we're we're, first on the podcast, we're offering you the opportunity to put in an application for a trip of a lifetime around the world. With a few additions in the small print, your trip will be focused mainly, but not exclusively on farming. Oh, and you'll have to write a report at the end of it and, and present your findings to the great and the good of the agricultural industry. We are, of course, talking about Nuffield Farming Scholarships today. If you haven't heard about Nuffield Farming Scholarships, then carry on listening And if you have heard of them, well, still carry on listening. With the deadline for applications for the next cohort of scholars coming up this summer, we thought we'd explore the opportunity in case you, our listener, is interested in applying. To tell us more, we are joined by Charlotte Merson, who is Nuffield's alumni officer Tom Rawson, who is a 2005 Nuffield Scholar and the current Vice Chair of Nuffield and a Nuffield trustee, as well as a dairy farmer from West Yorkshire and a Director of Evolution Farming, and Rich Walker, who is a dairy farmer from South West Scotland and a 2019 Nuffield Scholar. So a packed house today. We don't often have this number of people on the show. Um, We are also joined by our podcast producer, of course, senior consultant at Kite, Becky Leach. And as always, by everybody's favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Walkland, who, of course, we're going to go over to first of all for the Milk Market Report. Chris, where are you this week?
3: Well, I'm bringing you my report from Wrexham Football Club today, but I have no idea why. Did hear, though, that lots of very important journalists were bringing reports from there. And since I'm very important, too, I'm here as well. I'm not sure what all the fuss was about. My guess is the president of the United States popped in to keep the peace between the Welsh and the English. (laughs) But I don't know. And I'm going to hand over immediately to Will, who's a big Wrexham fan and dressed in his full Wrexham regalia. (laughs) tell us all about what happened. Will, over to you. Uh, Yeah,
0: Wrexham's the centre of the universe these days, Chris. Uh, As as you know, with our celebrity Hollywood owners. So yeah, it was uh, drama, intrigue, uh, and Wrexham uh, came through and won in the end with a last minute penalty save from Ben Foster.
3: But you haven't been promoted
0: yet? Not yet. Not yet. And I'm touching words as I say that. (laughs) I've got both hands
3: firmly on the desk. Yeah. Ah, well, something to celebrate for Will's team. Poor old John, though, being a Derby fan, they haven't won anything since football was played with a pig's bladder. Uh, But on (laughs) to my report. And this week, let's start by looking no further than Tesco, which cut its four point retail price on Wednesday from £1.65 to £1.55. By Thursday, Sainsbury's had followed. This morning, Aldi had done so too. Unfortunately, I think a move down was inevitable. So, for Arla and Muller farmers and others, there are three things that matter. One, whether the processing fees for Tesco milk has also fallen, because that will affect Arla and Muller revenues from Tesco. To what degree this results in a new price war. And three, whether the cut in price results. In more consumption. The first we'll never know. The second we'll have to wait to see. The third, I doubt. What is abundantly clear still is that the slide in milk prices are unlikely to come to an end just yet. Markets are still weakening with the GDT pulse auction for whole milk powder down again this week and dire warnings in a well-circulated article that China is, and I quote, awash with milk, with cow culling, and even raw milk dumping. Uh, milk volumes in China are apparently 10% higher than last year, and that does not bode well for global prices at all. Uh, Chinese milk prices haven't dropped much. They're down 4% on last year. With 2022, just 3% down on 2021. Volumes are not going to fall there with price cuts like that. Witness our own levels here. Next week, there's another GDT auction. Barring a miracle, I think there'll be another price drop there. Closer to home and I and the bank holiday means there's been a quiet week on the trading front. I did read that sellers were trying to put prices up quite why I'm not sure as I don't think they've got anything to go on, but this resulted in even fewer buyers than there are already. They then stepped back out of the market and efforts to put prices up stalled. Uh, Dutch butter dropped by 100 euros again to 4,600 euros, but that's at the higher end of the spot trades. The lows are 4,300 euros. So that values UK butter at well below 4,000 sterling. Uh, Dutch skin powder dropped another 50 euros. So the farm gate equivalent of those two is still well below 30p. And that's where the futures are also settling out at. Uh, those prices have improved a bit on butter and skim powder, but that's largely because the French butter price is bonkers, just like the French themselves, of course, or completely wrong. Uh, cream here is well below one pound fifty a kilo, at one pound forty two to one pound forty six. So that means. The cream income to a processor is just 8 pence a litre now, or 20% of the non-aligned price. The long-term average is 30%. And it's been around 20% of the price of the non-aligned price for five consecutive months now. To put that in context, the last time we had a run like that was for three months Back in 2014, so unprecedented stuff. The cheese market is also extremely quiet, although some traders are reporting the most activity is for quarter three rather than quarter two. But prices are nothing spectacular. So if you think things are going to improve in quarter three, at the moment you can forget it. So there you are, another week of nothingness, but that's how it's going to be for a while as all eyes are focused on the flush. On that front, the weather has definitely been helping, but once it warms up a touch, I think we'll be able to hear the grass grow and milk volumes will fly. So that's it. Now all eyes, or rather ears, are on our scholars, but before that, I'll go back to football. And did everyone see that tweet from that footballer? Mr. Erling Harling tweeting about his magic potion, i.e., the white stuff. Look it up. Apparently, milk is so good, it makes him good. So good, he now wants to play for Wrexham. (laughs) Bye. Yeah.
1: He he also wants to go on the Kite podcast, I'm sure, Chris. (laughs)
3: <laughs> absolutely who doesn't sure.
0: exactly did did you see that ian rush uh quote tweeted that with uh exactly uh, people who grew up in the 80s will know what i meant but anyway oh really,
3: that, that was a great tweet from ian rush and yeah to put that really in context for the youngsters that might be listening there was a famous uh accrington stanley advert with ian rush and that that's why he did that tweet very good Okay, thank you, Chris.
0: Uh, Charlotte, Tom and Rich, welcome to the podcast. Charlotte, can you introduce Nuffield, first of all? Um, Tell us about its origins, its values and what a Nuffield scholarship involves today.
4: Absolutely. So Nuffield got its name from Lord Nuffield, William Morris. And the first scholarship was awarded in 1947 and since then over 1,000 Nuffield scholars have completed their studies and travel in order to impact on food and farming. Nuffield Farming is a registered charity and we aim to inspire passion in people, develop their potential to lead positive change in farming and food. The Nuffield Scholarship is a life-changing scholarship which aims to unlock an individual's potential it broadens their horizons through study and overseas travel. And of course, we want to develop farming and agricultural industries, specifically British agricultural industries. Each year we award approximately 20 Nuffield farming scholarships to individuals that work in British agriculture. And that covers a really wide range of industries within British agriculture. So obviously, you farming, horticulture, fishing, forestry, um and any other countryside and ancillary industry, or it also includes those who are in a position to influence those working within the industries. So what is a scholarship? Basically, it is eight weeks worth of international travel where you go out and you see everything that you want to see and you won't don't just focus for example you don't just focus on um if you're a dairy scholar you'll look at all the dairy farms but you'll also look outside of the industry at other agricultural practices or you might also um look a lot further. For example, what could you learn from going to Silicon Valley in terms of technological advances? So it's really to see everything and you want to bring back those ideas and the best practice to benefit both you, your business or the industry you work in and British agriculture as a whole then unfortunately you do have to do a little bit of work as well as the fun traveling. You need to do um, a 5,000 word report. You present a 12 minute presentation at the annual conference and you have to produce a couple of videos and you have approximately two years to do all of this. So plenty of time. Um, And for anyone that is employed or self-employed just to reassure every year, of course, we have a very wide spectrum of people that do it from all forms of employment Um, and everyone is always very, very supportive, and it's perfectly doable, and we provide a lot of support, training, guidance throughout the journey as a whole. That, in a nutshell, is enough for your scholarship.
0: Wow. Wow. I expect a flood flood of applications after that. Um, I hope so. (laughs) Tom, um, good morning. What does a scholarship offer you in the short term, but also in the longer term?
5: Um, I, I think short term for me, it's it's huge sort of rapid learning, um, as Charlotte was alluding to, but meeting other people in your lit year group as well, mm. and it's a completely random group of people um, from all sorts of sectors of agriculture, and you'll get to spend 10 days, two weeks with those guys going to uh, an individual country, a bit of time in London, parliament etc so that that's a great sort of short-term benefit which in turn is getting out of your comfort zone
0: Hmm.
5: you know all sorts of people receiving enough field scholarships and it's a great way of meeting just a completely random group and and getting out of that exposure to the world's best in class you know this is your scholarship you go where you want to go you go and see who you want to see and I was thinking about, you know, a good example of one I had in mind many, many years ago, back in 05, which to most of us on this podcast feels in recent history, but to most people that uh, I employ is a long, long time ago. Most of them were born. And, you know, it was completely random that the Nuffield director at the time suggested that he had a contact on the World Trade Floor in Chicago. So my first sort of visit of my Nuffield was with a trader actually on the trade floor itself. Completely random, nothing to do with dairy farming. Uh, per se the day job but you know an unforgettable experience uh long term certainly lifelong friends uh lifelong learning through through the various groups you know so if you're interested in dairy or interested in business or horticulture whatever there's a, a group you can join sort of with with Nuffield alumni and just an awesome uh, networking opportunity in my year group Dairy Farmer in New Zealand uh Tom Mason so I've been over to see him four times. So we now run an exchange, where uh, our guys, some of our guys in our business, have been over to work for him for six months, and and the opportunity to to do vice versa if, if that arises. So it's all these things, which are sort of benefits beyond it. Really cool, Rich. If you got anything to add to that, would you agree with everything that Tom's just said?
6: Yeah, I would agree with that. But, and I suppose in the shorter term, it allows you the chance to escape the the miserable wind, rain and snow here in Scotland, <laughs> kind of beach somewhere a bit warmer for a few weeks.
1: I mean, that's, that's the big benefit there, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I can actually do
6: with another Nuffield this week, because it's certainly not very spring-like up here another in Scotland. Um, now, seriously, in the short term, it allows you to get your your teeth stuck into an area of agriculture that you're passionate about with a relatively blank canvas as to where you, where you want to go in the world, who you want to speak to within reason. Um, longer term, it's great for personal development in a business sense and to help effectively manage teams of people around you. And for me, it's also given me the opportunity for continued travel and learning through the likes of the Nuffield Dairy and Nuffield Scotland groups that Tom alluded to. And um, both have various visits and events throughout the year. And also straight off the back of my Nuffield, I became involved with GDF, global, the global dairy farmers organization based in the Netherlands. Um, who, as the name suggests, are a group of leading dairy farmers and industry insiders from all corners of the globe. And in fact, I spent um, a fortnight there in November past completely out with Nuffield with these guys in Brazil and Argentina, exploring their stagnating dairy, dairy sector, shall we say. Um, and of course, these kind of opportunities are likely to, to continue into the future.
1: Tom, let's bounce back to you. As you said, you did your Nuffield in in two thousand and five, and in I speak to quite a lot of Nuffields and they they talk about that sort of wider impact that it has on them. It's definitely not just about the program, is it? It's about what happens afterwards. So I'm just wondering for you, what impact it had on you, whether that's in, in business or or in life generally.
5: Yeah, I'm not. I think for me, when when the reason I applied for nufield I read about it in uh, Young Farmers magazine. And at the time uh, milking 90 cows, my parents were started bottling milk, so I was sort of left to the farm farming side, but I was getting pretty cheesed off with working by myself and working every day and stumbled across maybe you could milk cows once a day, and maybe it was a way of you know getting a better lifestyle, etc. So when I was 26, I was at the lower end of the age bracket, uh, never been out of Europe before. It was obviously quite a shock to then travel for, I did mine for 11 weeks. I did okay. 19, 19 flights, which which wow. was really cool. These days would be completely socially unacceptable, I guess. But, um, <laughs> you know, an ama- amazing um, opportunity to, to do that. And of the 77 nights away, only 11 were actually in hotels. The rest were, you know, past Nuffields, contact Nuffields putting me up. You know, and that's where you really, really get to learn what's what's going on and really get to to meet people and share experiences. Uh, I was lucky I was able to compare. I went to America, Australia and New Zealand. So I got to compare sort of the New Zealand system and, and the US confinement system. You know, I came, came home, you know, immediate lessons. You know, most of the farms I visited, uh, sort of I was aspiring to be size wise, didn't have any of their own machinery, had contractors, so sold. Any machinery that we didn't need for the dairy and expanded from sort of ninety to one hundred and sixty cows. Um, I think sort of fast tracked to now, sort of eighteen years later, um, as as a company that that I sort of founded on the back of um, Nuffield, You know, we now employ eighty people, so be careful what you wish for, really. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and I think I think for me, getting a lot then you know with with a guy's mainly we we employ or involved in our business elsewhere he's getting a lot out of helping their careers and and seeing those them grow as people um i, th- I think from a, another point as well um, my wife catherine and i uh, are very much we're very much both involved in our different businesses and and that's what i saw a lot of around the world and, and Rich, will probably agree. You know, a lot of successful businesses are run by successful couples. They're not. They're not run by in individuals in agriculture. Uh, and not not just New Zealand, which is classic share milking, but in the states as well. Um, that de- definitely brought home to me, and you know, that that's definitely been the ra- the right way to go. Um, and right to the end. I mean, one one real highlight for me, sort of eighteen years on from enough field was. On one farm, the farm down in Norfolk, last year we we hosted 140 global Nuffield Scholars on farm, and it was you know it was a real really proud moment for me to sort of host those guys as part of their sort, sort of uh, contemporary Scholars Conference from all different countries. So yeah, in, in a nutshell, that's sort of my my Nuffield journey and and how it very very much shaped not only our business, which is 90 percent of everything we do, <laughs> but our, our wider life as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, nice, Tom. Um, Rich, over to you. Um, I mean, we could do an entire episode on on an individual sort of Nuffield experience, but can you just briefly tell us about yours, your topic, and why you wanted to do a Nuffield in the first place?
6: Yeah, so I squeezed in my Nuffield in 2019 and early 2020, just before the world shut down. Mm. In fact, I think I got the yeah. second last Emirates flight out of New Zealand before they shut the border. Um, but saying that, I was in no rush to leave as I can't think of many better places to be stranded <laughs> than New Zealand, to be honest.
0: But
6: anyway, um, my Nuffield project was based around identifying the opportunities and the challenges of integrating British dairy products and ingredients with developing international markets, particularly, particularly in the Far East and Southeast Asia. So I spent around three weeks exploring the rapidly advancing markets in Vietnam and Indonesia as well as some time in China and then later in Japan. Um, I did a bit of the Middle East and then finished with some time learning from the Masters of Global Dairy Export in New Zealand. Um, why did I do on a field? Well, I think as a British dairy sector on the whole, we're pretty good at the technical end of dairy farming. And through various industry events, discussion groups, consultant-led type meeting things, we get fed plenty of technical information at farm level, and how to improve our day-to-day management and make our farm operations more efficient and profitable. But I do think that Nuffield is one of the few routes to get out of that dairy bubble and allows you to step back from the technical end and the coalface and see the bigger picture. Um, I think it helps you develop personally and and as a business person and to value and more effectively manage a team of good people uh, around about you. And to me, there are two unique aspects which which Nuffield offers. The first is the international aspect, which sort of speaks for itself. And the second is the cross-sector experience, allowing us to get out of the dairy bubble and learn from others, many who have built phenomenal businesses in other areas of agriculture right across the world. I mean, in our year alone, our CSC was held in Iowa, Midwest, USA, and there were around 80 of us came together for about a fortnight from about 12 different Nuffield countries and within that producing about 60 different agricultural product products. Um, to give you some context, everything from a chap called Frank Miller from the Northern Territories of Australia producing African mahogany timber, Shigio in Japan producing sweet potatoes, Baz in the Netherlands growing garlic, fillins in Babwe and fresh cut, cut flowers. Um a shellfish farmer from the west coast of Ireland and a dairy farmer from the UK thrown in the mix. So a real diverse group of group of people.
3: Why did you choose to do your Nuffield on that subject when you could have chosen hundreds of different subject areas? What particularly interested you about that region of the world and that that subject?
6: Um as I said. I wanted to get myself away from the technical end of dairy farming. You know, a lot of Nuffield dairy projects are done on the on the the farm end, and I felt that there would be benefit to myself and the wider industry to investigate the the marketing and processing end of 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 the industry. And uh, as we'll come on to in a minute, there's there's tremendous opportunity, but it's it's not without it's it's complex challenges.
1: So, Rich, what value did you think? studying your topic would bring you personally, and also what value did you think it would provide for the industry generally?
6: Um, I think personally, personally it allowed me to see the bigger picture better in a business sense and to view the small day-to-day farming problems as just that, just small day-to-day problems. I would also say it helped me develop the skills needed to manage teams of good people within our own business which is an important ongoing process, as I think at last count we had 24 staff in various shapes and forms. Um, And for the industry, I'm not going to pretend that Manufield is going to revolutionise the British dairy sector overnight, because it almost certainly won't. But I do think my report draws some pretty practical and pragmatic conclusions and recommendations about the well-documented global opportunities, but probably more so the series of complex challenges on that globalisation journey
1: and what about your main learning points
6: yes my main learning points apart from the personal development stuff i've talked about more specifically the learnings around international dairy market integration are pretty stark Um i'll try and summarize things quickly and not bore you all to sleep but my, my nuffield report along with every other scores is av- av- available in the nuffield uh, websites reports library um, But i'll just give you a bit of an idea just now And we also should bear in mind that this report was and is still relative to the longer term um, outlook for dairy dairy trade for the next two decades or so, which can sometimes be hard to grasp in a global market downturn like we're experiencing just now, as Chris has alluded to earlier. Anyway, to summarise my findings, it's no secret that a growing dairy deficit in some key Asian markets presents an opportunity. However, actually capturing and capitalising on this opportunity is far more complex. It stems from the fact that domestic milk production in these key regions will, through time, lag behind demand as urbanisation accelerates. As I experienced on numerous occasions in most of these countries, on-farm technical efficiency and climate are often not conducive with efficient milk production, basically lack of skill sets and too hot. It also became clear to me that the more market analysis I did that the integration with these markets is usually only successful when international partners with existing consumer insights, existing route to market and distribution infrastructure are found and uh, and able to form win-win joint venture partnerships in these markets. Um, Another of my key learnings that, uh, that I took away from New Zealand was adding value to milk inherently adds cost. So pitching processing infrastructure to the optimum point in the dairy value chain is the key. Too low and often not enough value can be extracted from commodity markets and too high, then too much cost is incurred in order to remain relevant in the fast paced consumer facing marketplace. But bringing that a little closer to home and from a UK perspective, A slight shift in processing, marketing and trading direction in order to gear ourselves towards sustained export-led growth has the potential to bring a further element of competition for British milk, put some value in the bottom end of our market and to help optimise the whole seasonal profile of UK milk production. But I mean, it's easier said than done and simply building more processing infrastructure is not a silver bullet. We need industry skill sets and we need international market know-how before any concrete and steel. Um, To sum it up, we'll never be immune to the cyclical nature of global dairy markets. And our domestic market here in the UK will always remain key and we should never lose sight of that. But embracing globalisation through a shift of balance in marketing and processing would help drive competition for British milk. And ultimately, it would, ultimately, it would deliver greater value to the whole UK data supply chain.
2: That was a great summary, much less than 5,000 words, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> you you heard it in the
6: 14000 word version at your at your level.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I remember my dissertation. Can I just ask a quick question to, to probably both of you actually? Because both of you, you know, a business topic and a sort of technical dairying topic. Both talked about your personal development. You've both talked about how it influenced your, your business. One of the things that both of you have said is about this um sort of teaching you to lead teams or manage people, which I imagine is, uh, uh, you know, pricked my ears a little bit. And, you know, know of both of your businesses and both got great reputations on on that front. So what is it, you know, was that just by osmosis of being around good business leaders or people who were good team makers or people, you know, who you thought did a really good job in that st- sense or do you think that's your personal growth maybe realizing the value of the team members that you've got or delivery through other people I, I don't know rich what you know you've mentioned it two or three times as you've gone through but looking at your think, topic I you wouldn't Griffey, have said it... it's,
6: a, it's a combination of yeah learning through through from others guys that you meet around the, around the world that have been there and done it it's also a perspective thing that when you come home as I said earlier you view the small problems as small problems and you don't try and micromanage those small problems that's what i've learned and 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 sort of developed um, myself is to 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 take a bit of a step back from that and allow allow others to grow into those those roles and deal with those types of issues
2: yeah because you were saying Tom about you know watching the youngsters grow their career because there's quite a lot then that you can give back to other people who are in your business isn't there you know it becomes cyclical
5: uh, yeah, massive. I think I think the other thing too. If I sort of go back to when I applied from field I actually think, well, who who am I? Who who was inspiring me at that point? You know, you've got especially when you you're on on the dairy farm. You know, you see very few people visit the business. You know, who you know who influences you? You know, this podcast. Hopefully now, there's loads of stuff have come since, but. I think the main thing for me is getting out there and being absolutely being inspired by some of the characters you meet
6: mm.
5: on your journey, and that's huge, absolute huge part of it. And I, I, I never set out on this journey to manage loads of people, but yeah. now it's with it without doubt, you know the favorite, my favorite bit of running my business with my partners, and it's you know it's more about the legacy you want to leave.
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah, you know, I think that 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 I think for me that's what they must feel for for me.
2: Big answer.
3: Can I can I ask you a question, Richard? I'm just gonna quote something from your report, which I've got on screen.
2: Oh, I hate um, it when people do this, because he might not have meant it when <laughs> he might not mean it now. <laughs> this
3: I is what you said. Some time, I spent some time in New Zealand working on a Kiwi style dairy unit. Which coincided nicely with the 2011 New Zealand World Cup. Oh, tactics. You planned yeah. your whole journey around a sporting event. Yeah,
6: and if you <laughs> if you keep reading on, you'll you'll find a bit about the Rugby World Cup final in Japan. Twenty <laughs> uh, nineteen. Keep reading, Chris. <laughs> I will. I
3: will. So, obviously, a huge a huge amount of uh, personal. Um, satisfaction comes from these trips as well as as work and having to write it up and everything so mm. yeah. i love
2: the tactic rich love it <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah
0: um charlotte can you take us through the criteria um for for applicants um you know who who can apply and uh would uh ben or becky or chris or i fit into the criteria
4: Hey, I'm not here to judge ages or anything from (laughs) on the (laughs) screen. So the boring bullet points. Um, Applicants must work within farming, food, horticulture, rural and associated industries or be in a position to influence those industries. Um, So that's any of our friends over in the working in politics. Um, You must be between 22 and 45 years old no Mm. academic qualifications required at all we'll have um doctors doing it and we'll have people with no GCSEs at all not a problem whatsoever and um finally you've got to be a a UK resident hold a UK passport or work directly for UK agriculture um so basically it really really wide open doors in terms of who can apply as long as you're within the industry and between two age groups basically
0: well, and, and what about Welcome the all. um what about the application process itself um what do you have to do and, and what's involved with the whole thing
4: absolutely application process is a online application form it's relatively simple um Tom and Rich may say otherwise um, but no relatively simple form we do ask for a lot of detail so the main advice is give yourselves plenty of time the deadline is the 31st of July each year but I would advise you want at least a few weeks to work on this to give yourself time to process and think about it Um, so we'll ask for the typical information that you put on a CV basically what you do for work within British agriculture what you do outside work that's a really important thing for Nuffield we're looking for people with capacity to do their job but also those that can do something for the community or the local industries as well Um, a prime example would be being part of um, young farmers and then we'll go ask you to go into some detailed explanation of what you want to study so that's your your study title and why do you want to study it so you give us a little bit of evidence on why you are the right person and why it's a good study and then finally where you want to go to study it so that would be um like rich you know he obviously went to new zealand you might want to go to new zealand japan sweden and finland for example and you've just got to put where you want to go and why um and in terms of what we do to help you during this process so we run really frequent events um and these are all listed on the website there's loads more coming up and we also run quite a lot of in-person regional events rich mentioned that the scottish group for example um has events if you're interested then go along to the highland show to um to the nuffield event there for example um So, yeah, just uh, give yourself time and fill in the application form with as much detail as possible, basically. Charlotte, how many um,
2: applications
4: do you usually receive and how many scholarships do you um, offer? So we'll award 20, and it's approximately a one in four. So we'll get around the 80 to award approximately 20.
3: (laughs) Do you have anybody who wants to cart around a whole podcast team with them on it?
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's chris's way of saying he doesn't meet the criteria
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so tom what are the selectors looking for
5: in a good scholar like what 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 makes a successful applicant uh quite interesting because i had been uh put on the selection committee for the next four years in sort of vice chair and hopefully chair role i was lucky enough to sort of sit in and observe for one of the selection days this time which is a really cool experience and i I think the number one for me is enthusiasm you know to get to get across in your interview your your passion and enthusiasm for agriculture for what you do for what you want to study Uh, charlotte said um a a rough plan it doesn't need to be a finalized plan but some sort of idea of where you want to go and and also demonstrating that you have actually googled some of this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and put a bit of thought in and it, and it isn't exactly what we've been talking about for most of this which is a really good jolly round, round the world it's got to be a really good jolly round the world you know combined nicely with a topic something that actually will benefit the wider community as well uh, when, yeah. you, when you get back home
0: Yeah,
5: and I think I think the last, last point on that is for me personally is to demonstrate real potential because it doesn't matter whether you're you know, the the fresh faced, uh, twenty-five year old, uh pretty naive, wanting to get on in the world, or or whether you're you're the forty-five year old had a fair bit of experience and it's it's you know, whether you're going from A to B or E to F, it it does not matter. It's all relevant to yourself, but it's showing that potential that Nuffield could actually help you achieve some real good stuff. Bro. And, and Rich, um what was your
0: application process like? so I, I know quite a lot of people who've done Nuffields and they always talk about the interview um, being being quite tough. You know, What what was it like for you?
6: Yeah, the application process was pretty straightforward. I had a chat with a few folk that had been there and done it, filled in the form and we were away. But uh, the, inter- the interview was quite a unique experience, uh, almost as daunting as doing a kite podcast, to be honest. <laughs> That sounds Um,
2: like a walk in the Blooming Park.
6: It uh, it was a fairly intense grilling. We were invited to a wealth management company's boardroom up a glass tower in central London. Sort of akin to The Apprentice, I suppose. But we had the Nuffield chairman at the time, Lord uh, Julian Darling, at the other side of the table, not Lord Sugar. Um but the interview panel and the Nuffield sponsors are all very interested and supportive of, of your proposal. And I suppose that they're just there to ensure that your proposed scholarship is relevant and that you've got half an idea of what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. One thing I've often thought, and uh Becky and I were talking about this when um when we were planning the script, um, but um I mean there might be listeners out there thinking This sounds fantastic and completely, completely, I'd love to, I'd love to do this, but you might be running a business. You might have a really, really busy job. You might have loads of other stuff going on in your life, family, et cetera, et cetera. How, how would I fit that in? I suppose if it's going through your head, what would you say to that person?
6: Yes. So I'm not going to sit here and preach to everyone to apply for enough no because I realize it's not for everyone and I totally get that. But what I would say that is that if you do think it is for you and the reason for not applying is that you're too tied up milking cows or making silage or, or, or such like and feel that you can't get away from the coal, fa- coal face, that's precisely the reason why you should apply. Um, and don't get me wrong, the day to day technical end of the job will always be uh, the key to the, the success of your farm, but getting away from it and stretching your head in different directions will give you a completely different perspective of your own business and also allow as we've spoken about others in your team to develop themselves and pick up the slack around you and to be honest Nuffield needs farmers to apply those that are drawing their primary living from farming in order to keep it relevant and keep it true to its roots so yeah to sum it up I've certainly never spoken to a farmer who's regretted doing a field. So if you think it's for you, then crack on.
5: Yeah, yeah. I think one of the Sorry, one on. of the big, one of the biggest challenges actually for people that do enough field who have got their own, especially farm at home, is when they come back and and find it actually went well. It's <laughs> not better without yeah, you. We're all going to aren't we? That could yeah. be like one of the, the lowest points of the whole scholarship. To be okay. <laughs> I love
2: yeah. Rich's motto. It's basically the one I live by and how I've got myself into quite a lot of trouble over the years. Give a job to a busy person. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> yeah. true. Is yeah. It? Yeah. charlotte if. Um... You've mentioned how many people apply and that there's only only 20 awarded. If you're not successful, do you get any feedback on how you might be able to improve and can you apply more than once if uh, if you are unsuccessful the first time?
2: Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah,
4: absolutely. Um, some years we have loads of second time around us that are successful. You've um, probably got a slightly higher chance of getting it second time around mm. purely because we've got rich who's a farmer sat here and tom as well farmers cannot go to many interviews and then going to that london interview might be a little bit daunting and mm-hmm. um, so second time around you've come back you've done it before you've learned lots you're a lot more confident you've structured your ideas you come back stronger not a problem at all we welcome you we offer you we offer to give you personalized feedback anyone who isn't successful I'll um, get in contact with, I'll pick up the phone to, we can have a really nice one-on-one session, go through absolutely everything, offer advice on, are you better coming back straight away? Do you want to wait a couple of years? We're a really friendly organization that wants to support and welcome people back. So just to reassure that.
1: and We touched on this earlier on but um what about Nuffield life after the scholarship um because you're you're part of the pretty exclusive club afterwards aren't you Tom?
5: Yeah I think I think um I've thinking about this before and for Catherine and I you know like for both of us you know part of Nuffield life is you know we both get a lot out of it you know from the conference every year to going to the different groups I think getting beyond that is Part, part of people are in our business as well. So sort of two years in a row we've taken sort of eight of the guys, some of our managers, to the Nuffield Conference. And sort of it's interesting to watch them grow at that at that and, and get inspired by by Nuffield and potentially look or not to do Nufield into the future. I think as well, leaning onto loads of other stuff I've been lucky to do from AHDB Dairy, which was a great sort of experience, been on that board for six years and then other stuff involved with like the farmers club today and actually i was picking up on Richard's point earlier one of the scariest things isn't the Nuffield interview it's your first day in the farmers club once you've got past your your interview and you've got your Nuffield, and you think bloody hell what the hell am i doing here uh, <laughs> yeah and i think like for me now sort of giving back to something I've, that's been a big part of my life you know to be vice chair and hopefully chair you know that that for me is going to be a, a big moment for something that's shaped shaped effectively the last 20 years of my life Mm.
0: fantastic okay well that's all we have time for today but a reminder everyone if you're listening if you think you might get an application and you've got until the 31st of july um a very big thank you to our guests charlotte merson tom rawson rich walker chris
1: walkland and podcast producer becky leach thank you very much for listening Please see the show notes for more information, including our podcast disclaimer. We'll be back with you next week. But for now, it's goodbye from here.